Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection for April 27th, 2022. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you have made for us. And we ask that you would fire up your Holy Spirit in us to help glorify you every hour of every day you make for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read an article that I want to read just a short bit of recently. <clears throat> it's an article by Aaron Earls. And he goes to say, as you serve in your local church, it can be easy to forget the global nature of Christianity. And if your church has plateaued or is even shrinking, you can be tempted to see the global church in a similar light. But the latest statistics from the Center for the Study of Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary can give a better perspective on Christianity in 2022. Not only is religion growing overall, but Christianity specifically is growing, with a 1.17% growth rate, almost 2.56 billion people will identify as a Christian by the middle of 2022. By 2050, that number is expected to top 3.33 billion. I don't know the statistics in America regarding growth of Christianity and church attendance, but I do know that society has played a huge part here in America in taking our Sunday away from us or if not taking it away from us, at least making it a regular weekday, just another day. And sadly, at times, it seems that we, as an overall society, have the mindset that we're doing so well here in America that we just don't need God. That's a whole other rabbit hole that I won't go down today, but I do want to talk about how the gospel or what we call the good news of Jesus Christ, is unstoppable. Both my dad and one of my brothers worked for an HVAC manufacturer and sales organization called the Train Company. And even though they were both engineers, they were not engineers of a locomotive train, but they were mechanical engineers. And even though the word sounds the same as a locomotive train, it's spelled differently. It's spelled T-R-A-N-E. Yeah, I know this is a Bible study and reflection, so what does a train company have to do with a Bible study, you might ask? Well, it has to do with testing. And I think we would all agree that there are plenty of biblical themes that involve testing. You might say Adam and Eve failed the first test in the Garden of Eden. The Israelites had many years of testing and they didn't do so well either. I'm a big fan of taglines. Really good taglines can help brand a product. As you know, Bible Project has a tagline, and their tagline says, the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. The train company had a tagline for years. I'm not sure if they still do, but their tagline was, 
it's hard to stop a train. And then went on to say, it isn't just a tagline, it's been proven. Reading from their website gives a little background into the extreme test some of their products go through. They say, it's hard to stop a train isn't just a tagline, it's been proven. At the SEET, S-E-E-T, which stands for Systems Extreme Environmental Test Lab in Tyler, Texas, trained products are put through 16 weeks of bone-chilling cold and blistering heat in repeating two-week sessions. By putting our heating and cooling units through five years worth of wear and tear in the matter of a few months, we reinforce our philosophy of making products you can rely on for years and years. Every train system is tested in some of the most extreme conditions found in nature. We freeze, broil, stress, drop, shock, expose, listen, and finally, take them home with us to ensure they're truly unstoppable. Well, I I would say it's a great attention getter, but is it true 100% of the time, even for eternity? Of course not. But their campaign does let you know that because of the testing, the unit was made to stand up to environmental impacts and subtly let you know that their product would probably outlast others. Christianity is not new or immune to testing. By the end of the first century, the persecution of Christians became a blood sport in Rome. Emperor Nero burned Christians as human torches. And Decius ordered the execution of Christians who refused to make sacrifices to the Roman gods. Yet, in spite of all the obstacles, the gospel of the crucified, buried, and risen Christ was exploding throughout the known world. As bold believers filled with the Holy Spirit followed Christ's great commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Just 300 years or so after Roman authorities crucified Jesus, their empire was on the brink of collapse, rotting from the inside. Rome fell, yet the church has prevailed. We have talked about the story of Joseph before, and in my opinion, his story is very sound proof that God's plan cannot be stopped. The next reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 50, and it's just after Jacob had died. If you'll remember, Jacob was the father of Joseph and his many brothers. This reading comes from Genesis, chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs that they committed in treating you so badly. 
Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended me harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now for the next reading, let's fast forward some 1,600 years to an account of Jesus' appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. Our next reading was actually our gospel reading for this past Sunday. This is found in the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I was struck by the similarities of the story of Joseph and the revealing of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. Joseph told his brothers not to be afraid, and Jesus greeted his disciples with comforting words of, Peace be with you. Both stories show that God's plan cannot be stopped and will not be stopped. And that, my friends, is the gospel. The Greek word for gospel is euangelion, which means good news, good tidings, and the message of God's salvation. Now, I've heard Tim Keller and other apologists ask whether or not the apostles would have been willing to lay down their lives if this message was not true. The bottom line is they were willing to lay down their lives for the gospel, and they did. 
The methods of their death and execution were gruesome and unimaginable. The different forms of death included crucifixion, stoning and clubbing, stabbing, being pierced with four swords, burned at a stake, being thrown into boiling oil. Just let that sink in. And remember, these were the same guys that all scattered like a covey of quail on the night Jesus was arrested, but they were willing to lay down their lives to advance the gospel of Jesus. In verse 19, we learned that the doors were locked because the apostles were hunkered down to avoid physical harm by the Jewish religious leaders. In verse 30, John tells the readers that Jesus performed many signs that were not recorded. This is not some form of magic John's talking about. What John is describing are the divine miracles done by Jesus that he and the others witnessed. Now, I love a good magic show, and it's meant to entertain us, but John's intent is to inform us. He's testifying to us of the divinity of Jesus. In closing, I want to share one more quick story with you regarding the power of God's Word. This brief testimony came from my YouVersion Bible app, and it's free, and you can download it. It's uh, YouVersion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Highly recommend it. When you hear worship artist Ryan Ellis play one of his songs, you know it's exactly what he was made to do. But to Ryan, his purpose wasn't always so clear. Growing up, Ryan lived close to the poverty line and started breaking into houses and stealing. He moved from city to city trying to find direction and meaning. No matter what he pursued, Ryan always felt empty and unfilled until his mom started texting him Bible verses from version. With every text, God transformed Ryan's heart and empowered him to step into his calling. I could finally see the whole love story. Today, the Heart of the Father singer writes and performs music that helps people encounter the presence of God. But he might not have discovered that purpose if it hadn't been for his mom's faithfulness in sharing scripture with her son. Reading God's word daily has the power to transform your life, just like it did Ryan's. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and most gracious God, we thank you for your son Jesus and his life transforming love that is never ending and can never be stopped. Help us, O Lord, to share the unstoppable love of Jesus with everyone we encounter. We ask this in his name. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.